0: The baby formula shortage the U.S. is experiencing has left parents of young children scrambling. We're used to supply chain issues by now, but there's more to this, and we wanted to dig into what's happening, so we caught up with Dr. Niloufar Varzgani. She is an assistant professor of business systems and analytics at LaSalle University's School of Business. I think people have kind of come around to the idea that you know supply chains are fragile, and we have seen a lot of disruptions Some of them random, some of them, you know, understandable over the last couple of years. Specifically here with this baby formula shortage, is this just another supply chain issue? Or it seems to me in reading that there's supply chain, but then there is there are a couple of other things at work here as well. Kind of explain what we're dealing with here.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Matt, for that question. Um, Actually, the whole Basis of this baby formula shortage doesn't necessarily fully um, sit on the shoulders of the supply chain issues that we're having globally since the pandemic started. Um, it's I think it's a combination of at least three factors. Um, the first one being obviously, the the supply chain issues that we're seeing globally since the pandemic started, um, which is basically a a major shift into how consumers shop. Um, And because of this unpredicted shift in demand across different products, um, the suppliers are trying to maintain um, and at least meet demands with the limited capacities that they have. Uh, So that's one of the main reasons of this baby formula shortage. The second one I would say is the recall of of the, the baby formula of the specific products of one of the major production plants in the U.S. in Michigan um, and the factory shutdown that happened in February early this year. And that in combination with the fact that the baby formula industry itself has this longstanding problem of the concentration of industry power. Um, and if, if you look at it, um, this is a deeper problem because only four companies account for about 90% of the entire market, um, which is making the supply chain extremely well, vulnerable. So Abbott alone um, holds about 40% of the market share. And since their factory shut down in Michigan, huge disruption has happened in the supply of baby uh, formula. Um, And then, uh, so in combination with this industry dynamic, plus the worldwide supply chain issues that we're having, including the recall of their product line, um, all of that combined has uh, caused where we are right now, Matt.
0: Now, you mentioned the the Abbott factory as we're talking here. I think recently it seems like they're close to getting that factory back online, but it's not, you know, you don't turn on the lights today and then tomorrow the shelves are filled. It will still be several weeks before they are we're getting back to where they usually are.
1: Exactly. So I was reading about this last night and um, I can maybe quote a source from Reuters that I was reading that um, the uh, the factory has been given the go ahead to get started with production. But even despite that green signal from the government, they still have to have two weeks of work at least and put it in place before they can start production. And then in addition to that, you can see about six to maybe eight weeks more for the production to hit the stores. So we're maybe looking at at least two or three months of, of this shortage if if the pro- factory does start production as it has been planning to do so.
0: It also seems like another other things that are exacerbating this is there is, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of tariffs on formula that makes it difficult you know, to get in from Canada. And we also don't bring in from Europe because there's concerns about, I don't know if levels of safety is correct, but just that it won't mesh well here in the U S am I doing it justice?
1: Yes. So that's actually true. In addition to this, um, existing issue of the industry dynamic plus the shortage with the factory. Um, We also don't import a lot of baby formula. The baby formula that is imported, it faces excessive tariffs because of which um, um, the imported stuff is overpriced and it's not at sold at competitive prices for the consumer. Um, the regulations around not just the safety of the product, but also the nutritional requirements of the product and combine it with the fact that um, babies have their own taste. So if, if they are used to a particular product or specific brand of formula, they're not likely to to switch taste or switch um, formulas to a different brand very easily. Um, My my sister has a two-month-old and uh, we've seen this uh, shortage firsthand in our family. So it's very difficult for uh, mothers to switch from or parents to switch from one brand to another brand, even if it does become available in the market. So um, yes, you, you got that right there are excessive tariffs on importing baby from formula from not only europe but canada ireland um and uh other countries but i think i heard and i read that uh, the biden government is planning to um look into some regulations and policies so that they can ease the supply from um, the global market into the u.s
0: you know we we were talking off the air the supply chain and you the last couple years when i would go shopping i would notice random Things and I think it's one thing if you can't get the pants you wanted or you can't get the sneakers you wanted or, you know, or even if it takes a year to get the dishwasher you wanted or, or whatever like that. Baby formula. I mean, this is something that you would think all eyes would be maintained that we would have a steady supply of this. And given that this plant was closed so long, like, shouldn't we have seen this coming? Shouldn't more alarm bells have gone off? when that plant shut down, given, as you said, kind of the concentration of of market power?
1: Uh, Yes, that is exactly right. And I think, to to answer that, I'm going to quote this um, article that I was reading in New York Times this morning by, I think the name of the author was Suraj Patel. And um, he he wrote one line in that article, which I, I completely agree with, which says that our supply chains today are built for efficiency, but not resiliency. So um, we've managed to make it extremely efficient in terms of on-demand deliveries and everything, but the supply chains itself are in extremely vulnerable positions because of the fact that, we are trying to build so much on the efficiency factor that we're ignoring the resiliency factor. And instead of having diversified suppliers for different raw materials that go into our products, we're relying on maybe the single supplier, which is not necessarily the smartest thing to do because... It's going to have trickle-down effects uh, across multiple industries. For example, this baby formula shortage isn't necessarily just baby formula shortage. It could also be a wider food shortage problem as well um, because so many of these raw materials um, are are connected across industries. For example, um, once COVID hit and people change it, they change their buying behavior from, let's say, Uh, going to restaurants and eating outside to maybe doing more groceries and cooking at home. What that did essentially is it forced the suppliers to now cater to, instead of catering to the bulk market of restaurants, they're now catering to individual households. And that has uh, made these really interesting changes in, in our product availability because now glass jars and aluminium jars are being uh, sought after and they're in high demand because of which you might see a shortage of let's say aluminium cans and that leads to a shortage of let's say canned corn for example or if you don't have enough aluminium cans that might lead to a shortage of soda for example or glass containers to to carry food products into so um, that's One of the things that we have to be very careful of is that one industry shortage is not necessarily contained within that industry. It can um, affect multiple industries at the same time. And the reason why you're not getting maybe, for example, your favorite flavor of chips is because of some random raw material product in the market, which is on a shortage.
0: And to the point of, you know, should we have seen this coming, baby formula is one of those things that like on the, the need barometer, it's almost zero to a hundred to zero. It is something you have no use for it. Then it becomes the most important thing in the world for a time. And then you have no use for it again. Once the, the child has gotten old enough, how much do you think, That this affects kind of a a sliver of people, and it's not something you have to think about until you really have to think about it. Did that play into the, the problems of this not getting the attention it deserved until we were at, you know, DEFCON 5?
1: Yeah, I I think the way you explained how the demand for BB formula works is even with that explanation, it's pretty obvious that it's very unpredictable, right? Like, once you know that a customer becomes a customer, um, they're probably going to remain a customer for a short amount of time and then not be a customer at all. So, and predicting um, how many new customers you're going to have in the market, along with um, being able to maintain um, product on the shelves at the same time um, that has a very that's a very fine balancing act and that's where we went wrong essentially um, one weak link caused the whole chain to to break um because of the fact that this is this is one of those products which you would think that would receive a lot of attention um, this probably i think is is in a way, Uh, a good wake-up call for the other industries as well, where you, it might seem that it's important and it's being taken care of, but that might not necessarily be the same. So um, this is a good time to to reflect and look at your supply chain, how strong and resilient it is. And that might mean we might have to sacrifice on a little bit of efficiency to, to make sure that we're resilient in times like these.
0: And you kind of led me into what was going to be my next question. You know, I mean, the baby formula, this is a new crisis. But as we've referenced, we've had supply chain issues now for over a year during this pandemic. Are we learning lessons like people you talk to, things you read following the industry, like how these things work? Are we learning lessons or is it a lot of we got through that crisis? Boy, hope that doesn't happen again. And we just keep on keeping on and hoping everything's going to be okay because we want it to be.
1: No, I think, I think we are learning our lessons. Um, it, companies specifically, they have learned the the hard way, most of them. The first lesson that the companies are learning here is that unpredictiveness of the, the demand, essentially, is something that they cannot control, which is why they need to have measures in place for when these unpredictable events happen, like the pandemic, for example, um, are they um, strong enough or are they uh, stocked enough to be able to deal with that additional demand or change in demand? Essentially, um, uh, I'm also reading about companies diversifying their supply supplier base, essentially. So instead of relying 100 percent or maybe a huge chunk of your production production, um, materials coming from one supplier. Um, People are diversifying into having multiple suppliers. There's also a lot of um, movement in um, building in-house. Instead of outsourcing everything and anything uh, globally, uh, we are now resorting to a more local um, sort of, of a supply base so that even in case of uh global shutdowns or or global disruptions in the supply chain you should still be able to meet a certain portion of your demand from your local production so those are the the trends that i do see in the companies now Um, they are moving to um making a stronger supplier base in addition to producing locally as well
0: and i'm curious because one of the other things i noticed and I'll just take specifically toilet paper. When that was a shortage of that, that was a big deal. I mean, it's something everybody uses and it's not, it's kind of something you just assumes going to be there until it's not. And then, you know, you got issues. But then I remember a couple months after that, then all of a sudden there were piles of toilet paper falling off the aisles at the local supermarket because, you know, once everything kind of caught up, you know, specifically with the baby formula, you know, Once that plant gets online and if they're easing things even for a few months to make it maybe easier eventually for for baby formula to come in, are we going to hit a point in a few months where baby formula is going to be, you know, we're going to have it stocked all over the place and we're going to be backordered of it because everything kind of catches up in addition to the changes we made to try to alleviate the crisis in the moment?
1: Yes, that is definitely a consequence that um, is very possible because of the fact that there's always a lag between um, your action and the response to that um, action so um once the government it has eased up the tariffs and the regulations around importing let's say we have more imports and we have more demand oh sorry more supply flooding into the markets um, there is, no accurate way of, of telling that you can exactly um, meet the demand at that point because you you might have overreacted and and produced more or ordered more so there's definitely this um, fear of of having too much on the shelves um Which in in things, in items which are perishable, that can be a very, very costly consequence. Um, And that's one of the reasons why um, people don't have. high safety stocks is because it can be very costly not to just store the product, but if it goes bad after a few days, it has a limited shelf life. Um, With things like toilet paper, that's not an issue, but you're still, um, if you were holding inventory, you're still paying for that storage cost, which can be extremely expensive. So balancing that Extra storage cost and extra um, holding cost off your product, along with unpredictable demand, is what the companies have to juggle. Essentially, here.
0: Time to take a break. We will continue our conversation with Dr. Nilofer Varsgani right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth, and we are back on KYW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation with Dr. Nilofer Viragani of LaSalle University School of Business. I guess kind of to tie this all together, this will still be an issue for a few weeks, but then assuming no no other factors that we don't foresee right now, we should be back on track with being able to get baby formula pretty much wherever you usually got it?
1: Yes. So um, hopefully once this labor shortage issue generally that we're seeing um, is resolved and um, companies have basically used their capacities efficiently and um, have tried to make changes and adjustments to how the market is reacting, we should be able to see improvement in the baby formula industry. But um, I think this is a good time for for other companies, which might not be on the verge of shortages, but um, at least take a look at their supply chain and reassess everything if they are capable of facing a situation like this, if there is a time uh, for that. So um, it's it's a good uh, time to reassess for, for all of the companies across different industries.
0: And, but it also, I guess, would be safe to say that given the continued uncertainty we seem and, you know, that this will not be our last supply chain issue, it's just a matter of where it pops up next.
1: Yeah, definitely. Wherever, um, whichever industry you are in, where your supply chain is vulnerable, where you are facing external threats which are outside your control. So, for example, maybe the weather, or um, maybe um, having only specific areas where that is produced. Um, all those industries can um, are, are exposed to to being a target for a, for a situation like this.